Hello, I'm Allison Warner, Chief Editor of Orthodontic Products, and this is the Orthodontic Products Podcast on the MedCorp Podcast Network. Recently, we did an article with Dr. Kami Haas, an orthodontist in private practice at the Super Dentist, a multi-specialty pediatric dentistry and orthodontic practice in Southern California. Dr. Haas has focused his career on the importance of pediatric oral care. In an article he did for us recently, he spoke to us about the common myths, best practices, and best ingredients to help orthodontic patients develop and maintain good oral health. For this podcast, we wanted to go a little more in-depth with Dr. Haas, who is the author of If Your Mouth Could Talk, An In-Depth Guide to Oral Health and Its Impact on Your Entire Life, and dive into what you need to know about adolescent oral health care and orthodontic treatment. So Dr. Haas, thank you for joining me today. Hey, Allison. Thank you so much for that nice introduction. I'm so happy to be here. Great. Well, let's get started. How long have you been practicing and how did your focus on oral health care come about? Do I have to answer that question? Um, I've been practicing. <laughs> um, I, well, I graduated from dental school at UCLA uh, 30 years ago, 93. In fact, we have our 30th anniversary at the CBA <laughs> Anaheim Convention. Uh, I'm on the board now there uh, on the you know, board of counselors and they just told me, they're going to celebrate all the, all the years that end with three and eight. I guess. <laughs> uh, one of those. So 30 years <laughs> as a dentist, 27 years as an orthodontist. I then right after that, I went to USC and I got my orthodontic degree. And then I practice as, uh, as you know, my wife is a pediatric dentist. I'm an orthodontist. Mm -hmm. And uh, we started, it's kind of, uh, I don't know if I told you this story, but when I was graduating from USC, we had a practice consultant sat me down and she said, I'm going to give you a few pieces of advice. This is your graduation present. I'm like, I'm all ears. <laughs> so she said the two advices, she gave me a couple, but the two of them that I want to share with you today is one, yeah. she said, don't go to San Diego because <laughs> I grew up in LA. I went to school there. My family lives there. Like, you know, she said, you're a specialist. You're going to be relying on general dentists and your friends and family to get your practice. And I'm like, okay, that's bad because I'm moving to San Diego the following week. I said, what is the second advice? She said, don't ever work with your wife. <laughs> because of all the other than the obvious, you know, you're orthodontist, she's a pediatric dentist, people would refer you a patient, and then they would end up in her practice. And that's the last time you're going to get a referral. So <laughs> I kind of didn't follow any of those uh, advices. I moved to San Diego the following week, and I started practice with my wife. And uh, we've never looked back. It's been a wonderful relationship and wonderful practice. Oh, excellent. So then how did you end up um, focusing in on oral health care? Because, you know, now you've written a book about it. Yeah, I mean, so when I first, uh, first of all, when I was in college, I was an engineering major. I just love like math yeah. and physics. And when you think about it, orthodontics is also a lot of physics and math, right? Yeah. Vectors and mm -hmm. forces and direction and, you know, the other direction and <laughs> all of that. So, but um, so as orthodontics, I'm also a musician because so I'm like, I think a lot of dentists are artists, right? We, we, we kind yeah, of I've noticed that. Hands. I've seen that as a common uh, thing between, you know, among a lot of dentists and orthodontists, especially. So, how I got into more like a general oral health, systemic health connection was, as you know, Allison, we have a fairly large practice, right? We have dozens of pediatric dentists and orthodontists, general dentists, hygienists. And uh, about many years ago, seven, eight years ago, I started, I had to really concentrate on running the practice more than I, I saw, I used to do obviously clinical orthodontics every day, you know, and then it mm -hmm. went to four days a week, then went to three days a week, then two days a week, then one day a week. And then yeah. we had so many offices and locations and staff team members that we had to manage. I did. I took more on the role of the CEO of the company, and then mm. um, and then when then little by little, I, I started really getting more on the education side of it. I it was really frustrating as an orthodontist, as a dentist, my wife and a lot of other doctors in our group that 
when patients would discount or make oral health unimportant. They would say things like, Dr. Ross, isn't that just a cavity or just some crooked teeth or isn't those are aren't those just baby teeth or isn't my child too young? It was after like I would sit in the beginning, I would sit, have them, you know, sit down for like 30 minutes and I would have to explain how critical primary teeth are and why early early treatment is so important for, for airway and for jaw corrections, like these orthodontic stuff. And but you know, or, or is fluoride safe? Oh well, oh my god, I have to like spend another hour explaining the pros and cons of fluoride, fluoride alternatives. When do we use it? Are there any, what else do we use it? What else is in a toothpaste or a mouthwash? So all these things led to me. Uh, and and the, the fact that dental schools and medical schools have been separate since the, 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 these institutions were uh, established over 200 years ago. And I don't know if you know this story, but it, was, it wasn't like a think tank got together and decided dental schools should be a separate entity. It was just a more of a personality clash between the person who set up the first uh, dental school uh, in Baltimore and the medical uh, school there. And so then all the other dental schools follow this terrible model of dental schools being a separate model. And, and so I think the public, not only the public, but I think even the profession, dentists and physicians, we've forgotten that the mouth belongs in the body, is part of the body. I know it sounds like a joke, but it's true. I think we all have forgotten that. We think the mouth is just, we have this, you know, entity that just works by itself and whatever happens to it, it has nothing to do with whatever happens in the body. And it couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, literally everything that happens in the body is connected to the body, uh, to the, in the mouth is connected to the body. Your oral microbiome impacts many parts of the body. You Almost everything that goes in your body goes through your mouth, you know, from air and tox, toxic things to, from microbes and all of that. So, and then, uh, so it was just all these frustrations were building in me, you know, you know from a professional level, you know, I'm usually easy going on, so I don't get frustrated <laughs> in personal life. But professionally, yeah. I was like, this is really terrible that we are, we are and, and, and on top of it, as you may know, Allison, the number one disease, non-communicable disease in the world, according to WHO, World Health Organization, is dental disease. The most common chronic disease in kids is dental disease, dental caries. Um, we, the, other than public speaking, going to the dentist is the biggest fear. So we literally, our profession, we own the number one disease and the second most fearful thing. I mean, that's like a terrible position to be in. So because of all these reasons, I decided to write a book and really, I mean, that's just part of it, right? I mean, writing the book, I was part of it. I, I started becoming an advocate for oral health, systemic health connection, oral health, pregnancy health connection, oral health, airway and sleep connection, oral health, mental health connection. And so with all of these, and then when COVID happened, you know, I also uh, was an advocate of oral health, the safety of uh, dental offices during COVID, the importance of oral health during COVID. Um, as you know, dental offices were closed. And even though in the beginning that was a good thing, but it, uh, at some point we needed, uh, I think, again, the, even the medical profession forgot that you, can, you cannot be healthy and you cannot fight an infection like COVID uh, as effectively if you don't have good oral health. And by the way, all of that was proved later. There were many studies that showed that people with periodontal disease are significantly more likely to uh, get complications of COVID. So anyway, so that's how I really started doing that. When I wrote my book, then I really, I, I always see to write a book, I had to research and I spent a few years really digging up like up to 600 articles and books that I had to read and really collect all of this in a in a consumable way so you know parents can read it. I wrote it for parents, but later I found out a lot of dentists and physicians also love to read it and get a lot of things that the education that we all miss in dental school and medical school. Mm. 
Well, building on that, you know, our audience is orthodontists. What do you think they need to know about oral health care in the context of orthodontic treatments? Like, what should they be keeping an eye on and what should they be talking to patients about? That's a great question. So, or I think that's, I know my profession, I mean, obviously my colleagues, orthodontists, we know that what we do is a lot more than just straightening teeth, but that's not the public's perception, right? The public's perception is that's what we do. That's why they wait until they're 12 or 13 or, you know, until they have crooked teeth to come and see us. That's why they skip orthodontists and go direct to these direct-to-consumer companies because they don't understand the value that we provide. And that's really a, a mistake, uh, and, and it's, it's really terrible because they're going to pay the, pay the price, right, the consumers, the moms and the dads and the kids and, and, and the individuals. So I think as a profession, we really need to educate the public um, in any way we can from, you know, from doing interviews and educating people around offices to forming you know, groups and to providing mommy and me classes and writing books and blogs and everything we can. Uh, collectively and and partnering with our colleagues in the other specialties like pediatric dentistry, especially because I think those are such a unique, uh, wonderful uh, partnership, general dentist, hygienist, and really put orthodontics back in the center of oral care. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you why this is such an important thing. So I think, again, again, I, I'm preaching to the choir because your audience are orthodontists, but I'll just say it as if I was, I was talking to more of a general public. So Orthodontics literally can stay start uh, in day one. For example, if a baby has a tongue tie and the baby can't breastfeed, that can impact the oral development in significant ways because the tongue can rest against the palate. Other than just all the, the, the benefits of breastfeeding from a nutritional value, just from the oral development side of it, right? We don't get the, the baby will not get the right oral microbiomes. And then, and then of course, they won't get the right mix of the seeding of the gut microbiome because a lot of those are pro just provided by the by the act of breast, breastfeeding the, the the mouth muscles don't develop correctly the structures of the mouth the nasal airway and breathing uh, is taught to a baby because uh, by the process of breastfeeding so if an orthodontist or a pediatric and or a pediatric dentist ideally a team as you know i just love this whole orthopedia i, I just can't imagine any orthodontist practicing <laughs> Individually, I this is like if, if, if any orthodontist wants my advice, my first advice is partner up with a pediatric dentist <laughs> because right. it's like I just can't imagine practicing without pediatric dentist partners in our practice. Mm -hmm. But but let's just say again, a baby's born literally from day one of that baby's birth, an orthodontist can be involved with the oral development, make sure that there is no tongue tie, make sure the, the mouth. The breathing is correct with the nasal area. Make sure, if obviously, if there's like deformities and everything, of course, orthodontists uh, were the experts of not just teeth, but the whole facial structures and the, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the mouth and uh, uh, the jaw and the facial development. So, and then as the baby gets a little older, then uh, again, uh, the, the rights that we can be involved in speech and habits and thumb sucking and tongue postures mm -hmm. and pacifier use and how that impacts the oral development. I mean, these are dramatic things. If your mouth doesn't develop correctly, you can't get enough oxygen in your brain. The, the first five years of a baby's, a child's uh, uh, brain development is critical. They're, as you probably know, their brain grows to 90% of its size by age five. So uh, ox obviously oxygen is the most important nutrient, you know, other than, right. uh, you know, it's like the number one thing that we need. So it, it needs to go to every cell. It, it required for every cell, especially the brain. So it, it will impact their uh, their intellectual uh, uh, development and uh, their personalities, their attention, how they sleep, right? If, if the babies have airway issues and they have sleep apnea or 
other sleep disorders, they're, they're snoring, and that's because of their oral development that an orthodontist could have intervened and recommend something or do some minor uh, intervention or treatments uh, at that time. Mm -hmm. The path of the growth of that child could be set in completely different ways. And so, again, of course, as the ch children, they have jaw development, they have an underbite. Well, we want to start them early. If they have an overbite or a crossbite, all the skeletal developments, that's when orthodontist gets involved. Then later on, then the teeth is really the last thing. But mm -hmm. this is reverse right now. Everybody just thinks about teeth. I think as a profession, I think our role is to make sure that we educate the public and the profession, the other prof our other colleagues in our profession, like pediatric dentist, mm -hmm. general dentist, hygienist, that we are so much more than just teeth straighteners. We are really oral yeah. health development experts. Hmm. Okay. So once the patient is, you know, once you have that patient in the chair and they're undergoing orthodontic treatment, or even at the start of orthodontic treatment, what should orthodontists be talking to their patients about their oral health care? Okay, that's a great question. You know, I th it surprises me when I tell this to people, but it's true. We, meaning dentists and hygienists, my, all, my profession, right? Hygienists, mm -hmm. dentists, orthodontists, pediatric dentists, general dentists, we mm -hmm. get little to no education in dental school or our residency programs about oral care products. Mm -hmm. It's shocking, but it's true. Our general knowledge of what's in a toothpaste is almost the same as the general public. Our biases, for example, for or against fluoride, it's just like the general public. We have very little knowledge about what else. Is there an alternative to fluoride? What is the fluoride pros and cons? I mean, do you, does a two-year-old that never gets a cavity and an eight-year-old that doesn't, doesn't brush their teeth and a 13-year-old who just got braces and a mom, 25-year-old mom or a 30-year-old mom that has gingivitis, do they get the same toothpaste? Do they mm -hmm. get the same mouthwash? Are they all fluoride toothpaste are the same? Is if, what is it, even a, a non-fluoride toothpaste? I always, it makes me, it's fascinating when people say it's non-fluoride. I'm like, what does that mean? What, what else is in there? Is there an alternative to fluoride like hydroxyapatite or nanohydroxyapatite? Because these are really mm -hmm. the only ones, the only two ingredients that remineralize teeth, you know, fluoride or hydroxyapatite ingredients. Okay. But what else is there? I mean, our mouths are not just enamel, right? Our mouths, mm -hmm. first of all, uh, our teeth are very much alive on the inside, especially since our specialty deals with growth and development of the mouth. Well, obviously, children's mouths need nutrients, right? They need calcium. They need vitamin A. They need vitamin D3, D, but they, they need vitamin K2 for this calcium to be absorbed in the teeth and their mouth so their mouths and their jaws grow correctly. So as, as, as a advice to, to your listeners is that we need to give more than just brush your teeth twice a day when you get home because today you just got your braces on. We need to uh, educate ourselves about what oral care products specifically we need to recommend, right? Because our patients are begging us or they're asking us for those recommendations. And you know why we don't do it? Because we don't know. We don't know the difference between Crest and Colgate and Oral-B and Supermouth, whatever the products are. We're yeah. like, we just basically say whatever the rep brought it to our, they left the samples in our practice, we give it. But our patients are, and the reason this is important because not only we will help them develop healthy habits because at the end of the day, we're healthcare professionals, right? We want these children and parents and adults to, we don't want to just straighten their teeth. We, yes, that's one of the things we do, but we want them to live a happier, healthier, more successful lives. And by providing these tools, and we can't do that until we are educated on it. So I really encourage everybody, everybody, our profession especially, that we really learn this because manufacturers have done a terrible job. As, as I said in the beginning, the number one disease 
is dental disease. So if they were doing their job right, we wouldn't be in this situation. So we need to take control. We need to be owners of oral care products and help not just those two or three days that people come and see us out of the year or maybe orthodontists a little bit more, but the other 363 days. We're the experts. We need to uh, play that role through, throughout uh, the year, 365 days a year for our patients. Are there any good resources you can recommend for orthodontists who want to learn more about which products they can recommend or just what, how, how do they educate themselves? That's a great question. So obviously, I mean, again, I, not to self, um, you know, uh, promote at all. I mean, I'm, I'm just here mm-hmm. just to talk to you casually and, yeah. and you others. But <laughs> I mean, I do have my book. I go over yeah. so in my book. There are two things that I write in my book that I don't, it's, I always say, in a, I mean, it's sadly, but it's an education we didn't have in dental school. And mm-hmm. what are the two things? One is oral health, systemic health connection. So I go through yeah. all the d- details in depth about all sorts of chronic diseases. And, and then I have another chapter on mental health. One, I have another chapter on airway and sleep. I have one mm-hmm. on pregnancy health. And then another one that I really explain how the oral microbiome evolves in what is genetics and pre, you know epigenetics and how what is or all roles of all these things in our health and happiness and success and confidence and prosperity in our lives and longevity all that stuff so that's one source again um you know full disclosure i we do have our own oracle product company called supermouth mm-hmm. and we okay. have actually a product line for orthodontists uh, uh in under our uh, from my it's called supermouth pro so you right. can go to supermarket.com, supermarket.com again. Full disclosure, uh, I am <laughs> the founder and CEO of those companies. So, but yeah. but really, my uh, is, is really I'm really t- today I'm not here to sell anything. I'm just really here to advocate for oral health and to advocate for our profession and really get the message out that as a profession we need to own this, right? We need to own mm. not just what people do in our offices and how we take care of them in our offices while they're within our doors and in our uh, uh, you know buildings. But mm-hmm. what happens to them when they leave our offices? Right now, they're on their own. They have to make this decision. Yeah. Nobody's educating them. So, and we need to take that role. Okay. In the article, you kind of lay out, uh, you go in depth about the kind of the routine you recommend orthodontists give their patients for in terms of oral health care during treatment. Can you kind of go over the fundamentals of what that routine should look like during orthodontic treatment? Absolutely. So um, as you probably know, one of the, you know, I, I think it's a nightmare for all us orthodontists who've been practicing a while now. We know there are two things that we kind of like really, really get sad when we see. One is root resorption. Let's just mm-hmm. say we've done this treatment or in the middle of it, we take an x like, oh my God, we have some root. I mean, that's that's when you don't sleep at night. And then the other one is when we see decalcifications, right, mm-hmm. on teeth. And the reason I think they're both irreversible. I mean, usually in orthodontics, I always joke around with my other uh, specialty colleagues are pediatric dentists, general dentists, and oral surgeons. I'm like, you guys, your job is a lot more, uh, resp- you know, they have a lot more responsibility. Like, you could really damage something really badly. For us, a tooth moves a little bit too much. We just move it the other way a little bit. I obviously yeah. exaggerate, but but the, to, those couple of things like root resorption or decalcifications are permanent, right? Cavities that mm-hmm. they get because they didn't take care of their braces or retainers or expanders, whatever it was. And so... Um, so we, I think, again, this is why it's important for us to take that role. So it's not just go brush your teeth twice a day. If, it, if that would mm-hmm. work, then we wouldn't have these calcifications and these cavities and everything. So this is how I would recommend that. This is how we recommend it to our patients. Yeah. In the, first of all, every, the, there's, we need to write the right tools. Like as orthodontists, as in, we love tools. The patients also need to have the right tools. So what are the right tools? 
in, there's a morning routine, there's an evening routine, and then there's a daily routine. So in the morning routine, this is what the routine should be. You, we wake up, you use an alkaline mouthwash. So, and then at the, the first thing you use in the morning and the last thing you do before bedtime is your mouthwash, but not any mouthwash. Almost all over-the-counter mouthwashes are terrible. Those glow-in-the-dark colors, neon and fluorescent green mm. and neon pink. Think about it. That's obviously artificial color. I mean, anything right. artificial colors, preservatives, acidic. I mean, so another thing that's very, very common is because to extend shelf lives, a lot of the manufacturers make their mouthwashes incredibly acidic. There was this doctor who actually went, uh, there's an online article, I, I, can, I think his name is Dr. Stephen Nelson, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he mm-hmm. went and bought every mouthwash on the market nearly, like in the, in the grocery store yeah. next to him. And he did a pH test. And 95 mm-hmm. or 98% of the mouthwashes, uh, the pH is below 5.5, where all the disease happens. So just quickly to tell you what happens is your mouth's saliva, the pH is normally 7. Just mm-hmm. about every time you put food in your mouth, the, uh, because of the foods and the, the di- digestive enzymes, the mouth becomes acidic for about 30 to 60 minutes. And by the way, that's why you should never, ever brush your teeth for at least 30 to 60 minutes after any meal or drinks. Mm. Let me repeat that because this is something even dentists and and orthodontists get wrong and I've seen wrong information on people's websites. You should never brush your teeth for at least 30 to 60 minutes after any meals or drinks. Why? Because when you do that, when you eat those foods, your mouth becomes acidic. It goes below 5.5 the pH for about 30 to 60 minutes. And so imagine that's when oral, that's when you get a cavity. That's when the demineralization of teeth happen. That's when mm-hmm. the quote-unquote bad bacteria thrive. And that's basically mm-hmm. oral diseases happen 5.5 pH or below. And so this doctor went and bought every mouthwash and he tested the pH of it. Almost all of them were the pH was below 5.5. Some were as, as terrible as like 3 or 4. So that's okay. another thing you want to sh- check. Make sure it's an alkaline mouthwash. Make sure... It's got no artificial nothing. Basically, it doesn't have antibiotics. That's another thing. You know, I see a lot of companies proudly say they kill 99% of their germs. I mean, if I told you, Allison, hey, I have a, I just had an epiphany. If, why don't we all take on a daily basis as a society two antibiotics on a daily basis that kills 99.99% of our germs to stay mm-hmm. healthy? You would probably end the podcast say this guy is like uh, crazy. Um, yeah. So, But we do that with our mouths. We don't even think about it. So, no, we should not be killing our oral microbes on a daily basis. We should promote okay. a healthy balance of our oral microbiomes, which we, we, what we have those, uh, by the way, ingredients. They're called prebiotics instead of antibiotics. Mm-hmm. So prebiotics okay. are like, I'll give you some example, like xylitol. A, 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 I know people think of that as a sweetener, and which it is, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, it's actually there's, uh, there was a beautiful uh, systematic, uh, systemic uh, inter, uh, article that reviewed over 200 articles that were done on it has a prebiotic effect. In other words, it promotes healthy microbes while selectively reducing the harmful ones. Uh, mm-hmm. Or inulin. I mean, there are many, many of these prebiotics. So no antibiotics. Again, mouth, we're still on the mouthwash. So then use a mouthwash that's he- healthy. Alkaline, no, no antibiotics, prebiotics, uh, you know, healthy ingredients. The first thing, to loosen the plaque, loosen the food particles uh, overnight. Then the second is you want to clean your tongue. You want to use a tongue cleanser, cleanser or scraper. You never want to use a toothbrush because the toothbrush bristles were made for the enamel, which is the hardest substance in your body. But mm-hmm. your tongue is obviously a different structure, right? So you want to use a tongue brush or tongue scraper or tongue cleansers that are specific for tongue. Then you want to floss your teeth. 
And of course, with orthodontic patients, we need orthoflosses, right? The ones that you couldn't right. get between the wires. And I love these. I don't. I, I really don't like those threaders because they can really injure the gums and you know all of that. And when you injure the gums, you're introducing oral microbes to the to the uh, bloodstream. So I would use these. Or, I don't know if you've seen these orthoflosses that are great that have floss and then at the end of it has a little bit of a thicker you know end. Yes. That you can mm -hmm. basically thread it as one piece, right? Right. Um, and then you brush your teeth with a soft or ultra soft toothbrush. And that's another thing. Um, the reason we develop our own system for for orthodontics is because really you need, uh, because especially if you have braces, now if you have aligners, obviously mm -hmm. it's easier to just pop it out. But with yeah. braces, you need uh, uh, these bristles that go around the brackets. That's why we had to develop systems that go specifically kind of compensates for the, that space of the bracket. So anyways, mm -hmm. so, and, and so ultimate, at least uh, soft or ultra soft, there's never a good reason to use, you know, uh, high you know abrasive bristles and again toothpaste toothpaste you want to make sure they either have fluoride especially doing braces because we have a high risk or prescription fluoride and or hydroxyapatite or i prefer nano hydroxyapatite with those vitamins vitamin k2 and vitamin d3 again but that's just on the remineralization of teeth which is so important for orthodontists because we don't want our patients to get decalcification throughout the treatment. But of course, ideally, our toothpaste should also have good cleansers. Again, nothing artificial in it as much as possible. And then, you know, again, a pH should be good. That's the routine in the morning before breakfast. So hopefully mm -hmm. don't use peppermint oil that's going to overwhelm the mouth uh, for that breakfast that you're going to have. I love to use, like, if an adult, you like mint spearmint, I prefer over peppermint yeah. by far. But you can also use any flavor you like. Uh, so that's before. So again, mouthwash, tongue scraper, floss, and then you brush your teeth with a safe and effective toothpaste before breakfast. You have your breakfast. Throughout the day, I would use a mouth spray because you can't brush your teeth after meals. Mouth spray, that's again a safe and effective mouth spray. The same rules, you know, no, you know, high pH, alkaline pH, and prebiotics and all that. You put it in your pocket, you take it around, you, you, uh, you rinse your mouth because you want to reverse the pH quicker and you want it balanced. Okay. Uh, the microbiome better and then before bedtime is your evening routine so even you kind of reverse it a little bit you do the mouthwash at the end you do you know you can floss again if you want the flossing is optional you do the tongue scraper you brush and floss and then you do the mouthwash for the overnight protection because you want to make sure mm -hmm. that the fluoride and or nanohydroxyapatite and the prebiotics stay in your mouth throughout the night Okay. Is there any difference? Because a lot of what we talked about has been focused on adolescent oral health care, and that's what the article was focused on. Is there any difference between the needs of the adolescent and an adult who is in orthodontic treatment? That's a really good question. So I think it really has to do more with their oral hygiene than it has to do with their age. Sometimes, you know, as we get older, our, our habits become better. Sometimes, it, but generally speaking, I don't want to, I hate to generalize things, but generally in my own experience, teens are the worst. I hate to say it, but they're the <laughs> ones who get like, um, you know, and uh, again, I hate to say, it, but boys are the worst and girls. I mean, these are generalizations. <laughs> these are, yeah. Uh, I'm a boy, so I guess I could say, uh, you know, boys usually have, but so I've, I've noticed it's more, you know, uh, you know, again, some kids are just perfect. They're really take care of their oral hygiene. So for kids, I think there is the one difference though, is you want to make it more fun. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think everybody, me too, if I want to use something, I want it to look good at least, right? Be elegant and be nice and fun and creative and beautiful to look at. Like, that's why I use my iPhone. <laughs> I don't know if you're an yeah. Apple person, but I like yeah. Yeah. Apple because it's not just <laughs> yeah. the quality, but it just looks beautiful and it feels good. Mm -hmm. to your hand. So 
this is what how we should be thinking as a profession too. We want our oral care products to feel good and to taste good and to like for kids they need to be playful and it's like the way we develop it is like with superheroes and villains and we make movies mm -hmm. and augmented reality and music. Well, you're like, what does all of this have to do with oral care? Is because then we go from something that the kids think it's a chore from there to play a place that the kids think they're playing, right? Mm. Of every kid wants to play, but they don't want to brush their teeth. So if they think yeah. they're playing with a toothbrush, I mean, I have patients or parents send me pictures of their kids sleeping with our toothbrushes or they, they take them to school. Why? They're not thinking they're sleeping with the toothbrush because it's based on these superheroes and villains and characters and mm -hmm. the storytelling we do through comic books and music and all of that that yeah. really builds positive associations with their oral care. And that's really ultimately our goal as, as our professional, as, as, as a profession, right? As orthodontists, as general dentists, hygienists, is that we want our patients to build positive associations. So especially with orthodontists, because we're limiting, we're limited about, uh, or limited amount of time that we see our patients, right? It's not like we see orthodontic patients forever. They usually come yeah. to us for a few years and then they leave us. So hopefully what we've left them with is our good habits that they can carry throughout their lives. Well, you mentioned the fact that, you know, orthodontists only see patients for a, you know, defined period of time. Even in that time that they're seeing them, they don't see them, you know, given the way treatment modalities have changed, they don't necessarily see them as often or need to see them as often. Now, um, what are your thoughts on like using tools like remote monitoring or anything like that to kind of monitor that oral health care, that oral hygiene? Yeah, I love it. You know, I was always, uh, I, I think like when I was practicing, I used to see uh, we started using self-ligating brackets 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I was always a proponent of as much as possible, let's use technologies to make it easier, less appointments, because we all have busy lives. Every, mm -hmm. Imagine every time that a patient has to sit in your chair, especially like a kid. The kid has to take off from school. Their parents have yeah. to take on work. They have to get a babysitter. Whatever it is, it puts a huge burden. We, we think it's just like the six or $7,000 that they're going to pay us, but it's really all this additional burden that we're putting on this family. Mm -hmm. So whatever, and, and like, so I'm all for like, extending you know intervals between appointment times or maximizing technology so so how do we do that well we do that with like just the things you just mentioned we can hopefully use either better technology so they do more auto movement of the teeth or they're just more self-adjusting mm -hmm. or or we have to use telehealth and video i mean we're, you know we're just this is so common that we now look at each other on, on a phone or a zoom yeah. why don't we just do that as, a, as part of our treatment it, we do such great service for our patients they don't have to leave work or school we can do it at their convenient time. We can just do a quick check. They can take pictures. And there's so many technologies, as you know, to for us to monitor our patients. And then, yeah. but but that even makes it even more important for their oral hygiene to be good at home, right? Because we're not mm -hmm. seeing them in the office and visually see if they're getting a cavity or decalcification. Then that becomes the oral care products that they use at home and how they use it becomes even that much more important. So that's why, again, it goes back to our original discussion of we can't just say this is in the dentist's hand. At the end of the day, when the people remove their braces, and if we have those unfortunate decalcification on their teeth, you know who they're going to blame? They're going to blame us. The yeah. parent is not going to blame the kid because he or she didn't brush their teeth, which is really where the blame should uh, uh, lie on. But they're going to yeah. blame the orthodontist. Everybody's going right. to blame the orthodontist. So why do we want that beautiful work at the end that we did two or three years or a year, whatever the length of time, all of our skills and passion and art uh, and we made this beautiful smile. And this child, remember, this child is going to live with this smile for the rest of their life. So our obligation and our, you know, responsibility is to make sure that they do the right things at home so they get, end up with a beautiful smile and a healthy smile. Yeah. yeah. Well, to close out, what excites you about the future of oral health care? 
Well, I think, so yeah, so I've been attending a lot of meetings lately that this whole oral health, systemic health is coming back. So I don't know if you know about the history, but this was a topic 120 years ago. Uh, hmm. 120 years ago, in the early 20th century, uh, started in Europe and then it came to U.S. and really all over the world. The physician started to think that almost every chronic disease is linked to oral health. I mean, they went extreme. They said syphilis and even stupidity, which uh, back then was an <laughs> actual medical diagnosis. They linked it to poor right. oral health. Really, from chronic diseases, you know, digestion problems, brain abscesses, and and because there were this adversary relationship between medicine and dentistry even back then, they started recommending total extractions of teeth with, with anything that they couldn't fix. They would say, oh, it's the dentist's fault. They put a crown mm -hmm. or a bridge over these abscesses and now this is what's causing it because, you know, it made sense, right? If you have an infection in your body and you're, not, you're just covering it up. And so mm -hmm. at least it made sense from their point of view. I mean, obviously, we later found out that we, might, we can actually restore correctly. <laughs> that was terrible. Like my yeah. grandmother, I actually start my chapter five with this story. It's a true story that my grandmother has false, you know, has dentures. And she mm -hmm. had him when started in her 20s. I, my, my mom is, you know, is a, is, was a young mom when she had me. So my, I have a very relatively mm -hmm. young grandmother. And when I realized, wait a minute, my grandmother is younger than all these other grandmothers when I was a kid. And so I asked her, I'm like, what is it, how is it that you have uh, dentures? And she kind of started with some, you know, tears in her eyes. She told me the story that when she was in her young uh, youth, she was one of these, this whole generation of toothless people around the world hmm. that physicians in that generation they were recommending total extractions of teeth to cure all sorts of ailments so to in other words uh, that pendulum went from that extreme to the late 20th century that we didn't connect the oral health to anything but i feel like hmm. now finally uh, the last 20 30 years based on really really fantastic research awesome clinical data we're now finding out exactly how oral health is connected to pregnancy health, exactly how oral health is connected to Alzheimer's, exactly how oral health is connected to, you know, respiratory diseases and to yeah. all sorts of, you know, how oral microbiome, not yeah. many things are not exactly, I mean, the oral microbiome, the gut microbiome, we're still learning a lot. So these are not, mm -hmm. you know, we're not there, but we're learning more and more every day. So this is what excites me. I feel like we're finally putting that mouth back in the body. And hopefully as a society, we're going to see as it, as the most important organ in our in our bodies. Yeah. Well, if our audience uh, wants to read more about your book, where can they find it? Everywhere. So uh, anywhere that books are sold, you know, online, Amazon, yeah. Barnes and Noble. It's sold in U.S., in Canada, in all you know, Australia, Great Britain. All the English speaking languages is getting translated into Chinese and uh, Hungarian and uh, uh, you know other languages, <laughs> and it's available both uh, hard copy, uh, digital, and e and audiobook. Great. Well, Dr. Haas, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure and really informative. So thank you. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me. Great. And to our audience, thanks for taking the time to listen. Don't forget to subscribe to the MedCorp Podcast Network to get the latest episodes of the Orthodontic Pro Products Podcast. And be sure to visit orthodonticproductsonline.com for the latest orthodontic industry news. Until next time, take care. Mm -hmm.